This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. I am so glad to be here with you on my front porch uh, to talk to you about seven things kids need to hear. You know, I've often said this, particularly to young couples who are preparing for marriage. I've warned them, I've said, look, you know, you have to understand that marriage is an adjustment. It takes work to learn to become one. But if marriage is a life adjustment, you better be ready for the fact that having children will totally blow things up. Having children will totally turn your life upside down. I, re- I remember the, the night, uh, I think, it, yeah, the night we, we went, Shannon was pregnant with our firstborn, the night we went down to the hospital and it was time for baby to be born. Baby number one, we were a young couple and uh, I had no clue. I mean, I thought that it was gonna be go to the hospital, bada bim, bada boom, baby come home for breakfast. That's what I thought. Uh, Little did I know, little did I know. 24 hours of labor, uh, some pretty hit and miss moments, some pretty pressure filled moments, some moments in which I was crying out to God, please Lord, please, bring this baby, keep my wife safe. And eventually, that prayer was answered. My sweet baby girl was placed in my arms and I was in no way prepared for the feelings that I felt. From inside of me, uh, just this, this sense of, of wow, there was awe and there was fear. There was awe that, that now all of a sudden this, this beautiful baby girl was my responsibility. And there was fear. Oh no, this beautiful baby girl is now my responsibility. It's up to me and and her mother to train them up, to prepare her for life, to, as the Bible say, rear them in the instruction and training of the Lord. You know, when I became a dad, uh, things rose up in me that that I didn't know were there. I became pretty intense. I used to get really protective of my kids uh, if she sniffled or coughed when my first baby came and it really it didn't change for, for any of the others uh, who, who am I kidding it, it didn't change for any of the others whenever they sniffled or coughed I was I was on it oh they're okay what's happening what's happening I, I was the dad that kept the charts counting the amount of wet and full diapers particularly early on we want to make sure how many did you have today what was going on you know that's the kind of dad I was I was really engaged in being a dad and and really struggle with the question how do we rear children how do we how do we do our part to mold these these human beings into mature God-loving respectful confident competent, gifted individuals who will go on to life, who will leave the home and make their own mark on the world. How do we do that? How do we we train up a child, as the Bible say, in the way that he should go so that when he, he departs, he will not leave from that way? How do we do that? You know, I think most people think the answer to that question is education. And by education, what I'm specifically talking about is that they feel like if they can expose their kids to the correct information, if they can give them the right knowledge, if in effect they can dump in their brains the right things that they need to know, then that will automatically translate into uh, 
kids turning out right. Right information dumped into the brain in the right way will turn out right kids. That, that's kind of how we believe it. And so we, we, we worry about sending our kids to school. We worry about what they're learning. And we give ourselves to making sure that they have the best of education and, and information that, that we can possibly offer. But I wonder about that. You know, from my experience, it's the truth is, is that we're not brains on a stick. If it was all about a data brain dump turning out great kids, then um, we definitely would have a lot more better people in our world. The truth is, is that information alone, the right data, the truth alone, isn't it enough to mold, to shape, to help a child become the adult that honors God, that loves God and loves people. You know, I came across a, an article that really illustrated this. Um, I came across an article that was uh, found in a book. A man named Robert Coles, former Harvard professor, uh, wrote a paper. And in that paper, he entitled the paper, here's what the title is, The Disparity Between Intellect and Character. And the reason why he wrote this paper was because of a conversation he had with a bright young student who was quitting college. This young lady was from the Midwest and she was able to go to Harvard basically given an opportunity which required her to work, required her to, to do a variety of things. And she was a Midwestern college student who had values from the Midwest and she was shocked to discover that um, people in her class, the people that she took class with, particularly the classes that had to do with morality and philosophy, they treated her like dirt. She reported that uh, she had to work and, and how many times uh, she had to clean apartments and, and the kids that she went to, to class with would treat her disgrace, disgracefully. They would treat her ungraciously. They treat her with, without courtesy and respect. And one student in particular, she said, a, a young man uh, continually propositioned her for sex. This was a young man that, that had taken a class with her a class entitled Moral Reasoning and had had fantastic grades in talking about morals, in talking about ethics, in talking about what's right and wrong. He knew the data, but unfortunately he didn't live that out. She said this, and, and, and this, this was, was telling. She said, I've been taking all these philosophy courses. We talk about what is true, what is important, what is good. Well, how do you teach people to be good? What's the point of knowing good if you don't keep trying to become a good person? And I think that's where we are. Truth is, is that education, information is important, but that cannot be the be-all and end-all of our investment in our kids. Cannot be the be-all and end-all in training up a child in to become a person who is good and lives well. You see, knowing the right information doesn't automatically translate to behavior. Knowing the right information doesn't always translate into behavior. And in fact, uh, truth is, is that uh, it, it just, just doesn't work. Unfortunately, we, we even think about this in terms of church. You know, we get to an age where we have young children, we want them to learn about God, because we learn about God. We want them to learn about the Bible, so what do we do? We decide to take them to church, so they can go to what? Sunday school, so that what? So they can learn from an expert, the Bible. And our hope is, is that as they learn from an expert, the Bible, that information will translate 
into them making a commitment to follow God. That's what we believe. But once again, that's not how it works. While the church has a place to support us in rearing our children, while it's good to learn the Bible, the Bible itself says that's not how you rear up children in the way they should go. That's not how you train them up to become God-fearing, God-loving individuals. What the Bible says is the way it works is this. The way it works is in order to learn to love God, kids must be around people that love God. You know, we're going to be talking about seven things that kids need to hear. And I will say, number one thing that they need to hear, number one thing they need to hear from the people that have the greatest influence on them. And I'm talking about parents, and I'm talking about family members that are close. I'm talking about those maybe that, of you that are grandparents that, that have an influence on your grandchildren as a parent. I'm talking about individuals that are uncles and aunts that, that are, are people of faith that have an opportunity to, to pour into the lives of young people, whether two or, or whether they're 22. The number one thing that needs to be said to them is that I love God. I love God. And that I love God, and this is how it looks to love God. And so if you're a dad, the most number one important thing you need to say to your kid in order for them to, to learn to love God is for you to yourself to say, I love God, and to live like it. Mom, for you to say, I love God, and to live like it. Grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, uh, very close friend, guardian. I love God, and this is what it looks like to live loving God. You know, this is what the Bible teaches us. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is many times called Moses' farewell address. Here's the occasion. Moses is with the people of Israel, and they're about to finally enter into the Promised Land. Now, I say finally because this is 40-plus years in the making. Moses, if you remember, in the book of Exodus, leads the people of Israel out by God's direction out of Egypt. And they come to the Mount, Mount Sinai. They receive the laws of God. They're given instruction of what it means to live as the people of God. Then they're led to the promised land. And as they get to the edge of the promised land, the people balk. They, they quake in their boots at the, at the prospect of, of going into the land because the inhabitants of the land are fierce. They balk, and because they balk, God says, look, you're not going in. Because of your lack of faith, you will not inherit what you were promised. And so he directs Moses to, to lead those people for 40 years wandering in the desert until that entire generation passes on, and their young children have grown up to be now adults. And it's these adults, these, these, this generation, that Moses now speaks to in Deuteronomy. Moses himself will not go into the Promised Land. In fact, the people of Israel will be led by his apprentice, Joshua. But Moses speaks to them and reminds them, goes over once again the story. Their story of how God called them out of Egypt. Their story of how God spoke to them and gave to them the instructions on how to live in the Promised Land. And Deuteronomy is, is a retelling, a recapitulation of the laws of God so that this new generation might live for God in the promised land. 
And so in chapter 5 in Deuteronomy, we have really the introduction to the law. We, it's, it's a retelling of the Ten Commandments. And you may be familiar with the Ten Commandments. You may know about it. Look it up in, in, De in Deuteronomy chapter 5. But there's a retelling of the Ten Commandments, which form the foundation of all the laws that the Israelites were to live by. And in chapter 6, there is a conversation regarding how the laws of God will be able to be lived out and then taught to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And so in the chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, please look for this in your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 7. It says this, Hear, O Israel, hear, O people of God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them. That word impress literally means cut into, like as with, a, with writing into a, a clay tablet with a, a hard stencil, a hard, hard stick. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. You know, I like to boil things down to the simple. I'm a kind of guy that I like to summarize what's being said. I like to, to make things easy to digest and easy to understand. I, I try my best to, to bring it down to nuggets, to bring it down to nuggets that can be easily remembered and applied to life. And, and, and I read this text and there are three nuggets, three simple things, three principles that I think are important for us to understand when learning to, to, to communicate to our children that I love God. Nugget number one is this, and you can please write this down. Nugget number one is this. There will be no grandchildren in heaven, only children. There will be no grandchildren in heaven, only children. What I mean by that? Well, we are made right with God through faith. People don't get into heaven because of their faith of their parents. Faith is a personal decision. Faith is a matter of, of making a commitment to respond to the good news that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and that decision can only be made by the individual. You know, there's this idea that as we grow, as we grow up, there comes a point in our life where we become responsible for our decisions. We become accountable before God for our actions to the Jews, they've designated the, the age of 12, where a, a young boy or a young girl comes to a point in their life where they can be a child of the law, bar mitzvah for the boy, bat mitzvah for the girl. And it's at that stage where the idea is, is that this, this child is now accountable for his or her action before God. They've come to a point in which they have to make their own decision when it comes to following God. Now, I don't know if 12 is exactly the right age. Uh, I think it varies by kid. I think each child in their growth uh, develops an awareness that, that they're responsible for their actions. They come to a point where they understand that what they're doing it has consequences and they're willing to, to make that decision regarding the consequences. I'm not sure, but I do think there is a time in which every individual has to stand on their own before God and will be accountable for their actions before God. 
and it's 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 at that point when 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 they have to make a decision and they have to make a decision if they want to be right with God based on faith which means this that if we're rearing children who learn to love God the goal needs to not be to to simply give them the information from God's Word no the goal needs to be to bring them to a place where they make that decision on their own it's it's a different strategy than just just educating them in the Bible it's a strategy of letting them see what living by faith looks like so that they can make that decision. See, your kids need to see you loving God in your day to day. It's, it's no good to tell them to pray and to trust in Jesus, yet you don't pray and trust in Jesus. What they need to see is you praying and trusting in Jesus and living by faith when things get difficult, when you're disappointed, when there's a struggle, yet you remain faithful to it. Because when you do that, that brings your words to life. They begin to see what it looks like to love God. It's no good for you to expect your kids to, to learn not to lie, to understand that the, to one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not lie. But you yourself lie, you yourself are deceitful, you yourself tell things that are untrue to get your way. You can't do that. Because when you do that, your words, even if they are the words of truth, are undermined. Why is that? Why? Because faith has to be a decision that's made personally, made on its own. Which brings me to, <clears throat> excuse me, to my next observation. In this whole thing, we need to understand that wherever we are in, uh, in time, whether we've had a good experience or a bad experience, where we're struggling with our kids, where our kids are older, where our kids are younger, I, I want you to know this. Today is an opportunity to recommit to practicing being present with your kid. Today, now. Because if kids need to see you operate in life, remember what he says to, to the people. Hey, in order to, to impress God's Word in the lives of these people, what are you to do? You're to walk with them. You're to live with them. You're to talk about them at the meal, when they wake up, when they walk. If you're going to do that, then you have to understand that today, the present, is the opportunity for you to do that, for you to, to share your faith, for you to share, to impress on their hearts the truth of God's Word. Today. Today. Take the opportunity today to seek God, to seek wisdom, to seek guidance in being present in the life of your kids so that you might share with them your faith, so that you might show them what it means to love God. You know, right now we have been forced to take a break from our busy schedules. We've been forced to slow down. We've been forced to stay at home. And, and it's a struggle. And it's a difficulty and it's a stress. But I will tell you the upside is that it's given an opportunity to reset. It's given an opportunity to, to take those moments where you can spend more time with your kids at home. You can spend more time making contact with your kids if they are older. But more time to, to take the opportunity today to invest in them. And I know that it's difficult, and I know it can be hard, and I know there may be uh, more work to be done in terms of reconciliation and asking forgiveness and working through, through the mess up and dealing with the fact that you've been inconsistent. I understand that. But with the power of God within us, the Spirit of God who is available to us, we have the opportunity today, today in this moment, to invest in the lives of our kids so that we might show them what it looks like to love Jesus 
so that we might show them what it looks like to love God. And I want you to know that we as a church family, we're here for you on that. We're, we're here with you on that. We, while you're as the parent, as the main influence in the life of the child on, on, on number one, we're, we're right right there with you. We're right behind you. And, and we want you to know that we have resources available. If you want to, to talk about child rearing, uh, reach out to us. If you have kids that are elementary or teens, reach out to Lisa Davis. And, and ask her for help, ask her for resources. Yes, she may not have all the answers. She, like you and me, is, is journeying through this, but she has spent her time in developing a, a network to provide resources. Ask Aaron Adams. He's, he's a young man with a young family, yes, but Aaron has given himself to investing in researching resources to help parents of teenagers, junior high, senior high, that can help them be able to be influencers in the lives of their kids. My wife and I often say, listen, when your kids get to their teenage years, uh, understand that the tendency is to back off because that's what they're saying. Well, don't back off. Lean in. Now, you can't lean in uh, in, in a way that, that gets them angry, or in, in a way that, that shuts them down. No, you've got to lean in a way that, that involves skill and wisdom and tenacity, but you've got to lean in. Why? Because they need you. They need you. Yes, they may have all the answers available to them in the, in the, in the phone of their pocket, but they have no wisdom. They need guidance on, on how to learn to navigate the, the crazy life they're living in. Lean in and lean into the resources that we provide. Nugget number three. Loving God is more caught than it is taught. Let me repeat that. Loving God is more caught than it is taught. See, if you've been intentional about being present in the life of your kid, then you have to understand that the way faith works is that it's, it's more caught than it is taught. Uh, I have an illustration that I found here that I think just sums it all up, puts it all together for us. John Ashcroft was, was once uh, attorney general, uh, public servant, politician, a man known for, for doing some great things. He was also a man known for his sincere faith and, and passion for Christ. And, and Ashcroft, in a book, writes the following experience, writes about the greatest, one of the greatest influencers of his life, his father, and how his father influenced him. And this really captures, I think, everything that I've been talking about, everything that the scripture in Deuteronomy captures for us. He says this, many kids wake up to the smell of coffee brewing or the sound of a rooster crowing. My wake-up call was my father's passionate praying filtering through the house. Sometimes I'd ease downstairs and join him. One knee was usually raised, so I would slip underneath, shielded by his body, as he pleaded for my soul. I never caught Dad praying for our happiness. He realized that the pursuit of happiness for its own sake is a frustrating disillusion disillusioning, often futile effort. Happiness usually hides from those addicted to its sugar. He said, I never heard him pray for a bigger house, car, or bank account. Instead, he prayed that our hearts would be ignited and inspired to do things of eternal consequence. Turn our eyes from the temporal, the physical, and the menial, he prayed, and toward the eternal, the spiritual, and the noble. Ashcroft writes, My father never pressured us toward achievement. He knew that the push had to come from inner reserves, not outward designs. He simply dangled before us the possibilities. Thanks to his example, 
we sometimes took the bait. There will be no grandchildren in heaven, only children. Today, today is an opportunity to recommit to practicing being present with the kids. And you can do it, mom and dad, guardian, uh, influential uncle and aunt, uh, grandpa, grandma who, who, who sees the grandkids. You can do it. God with you. Take today as an opportunity to recommit to practicing being present with the kids. Why? Because loving God is more caught than it is taught. Loving God is more caught than it is taught. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity we can share and this time on the porch with neighbors going back and forth and the wind blowing. Uh, but I enjoy this time to be together and to talk about uh, this topic. How do we teach our children to love God? I thank you for your word that tells us that loving God starts with uh, living an example as we live life with our children day to day, living a life that loves God and loves people. Lord, I pray that in Mount Carmel at this time, amongst the people that are receiving this, that there will be a renewed commitment to be present in the lives of our children. That as we go through this series of talking about uh, seven things that kids need to hear, that we will understand that the foundation of this begins with our personal commitment to love God with everything we have. Yes, not perfectly. Yes, uh, at times with a struggle. Yes, we stumble and fall. Yes, we, we don't always know the scriptures. But Lord, help us to sincerely be open to committing ourselves to love you and to invite our kids, whom are our first assignment to train up, to disciple. Help us to invite them to, to, to walk with us as we walk with you so that they too may have impressed upon their hearts the law of God, that they too may make that decision to follow Jesus. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.